On your mark. Get set. Go! Best way. Hello and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me on Team Hitting Play for this obstacle course is Sean. Hi! (laughs) Well, this week, Sean and I are revisiting the early days of Nickelodeon, and we watched the classic kids and later family game show, Double Dare. Double Dare is the best game show that Nickelodeon ever put out, I could easily say that right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some other good ones. I used to watch Finders Keepers quite a bit, where the kids would go through rooms and make a mess of them to find clues, and Legends of the Hidden Temple is pretty good, Nickelodeon Guts, but yeah, Double Dare is the iconic kids' game show. Yeah, because I think, you know, we're a few years apart in age, and I'm a few years older, and I think Double Dare was more of my generation, I'm doing air quotes, (laughs) Whereas you, by the time, you know, the other stuff came out, like, I don't remember Finders Keepers at all. Or the other, uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple, kind of. But that Guts, was much later. not at all. Yeah, see, yeah, so I don't have, you know, any knowledge that. We talked about Nickelodeon before and our, our um, experiences uh, with Nickelodeon. And I'm more mid to late 80s, where you're more early to mid to late 90s. The whole 90s spectrum, the whole Clinton <laughs> years, you were watching Nickelodeon, so... I was more, you know, I definitely watched Double Dare quite a bit. Yeah, it was a great show. It was it was really at the golden age of Nickelodeon. Yes. Where we talked about other shows that were really the highlight of Nickelodeon's life uh, so far, as, as I could see. Like, uh, you can't do that on television. We're just wrapping up or getting close to wrapping up around this time when Double Dare came out. So yeah. this is one of those sh- shows, Double Dare, that was kind of, uh, well, not even kind of, was really created by the response if you can't do that on television, I would say. Because of the success of that show, Double Dare probably came into existence. Yeah, as, as Sean hinted at, I mean, in a previous episode of the podcast, we covered the late 70s, early 80s Nickelodeon sketch show, You Can't Do That on Television. And we talked in that episode a lot about how it originated that green slime, you know, that's that Nickelodeon is so famous for now. You know, after that show, or even during the run of that show, towards the end, it... Nickelodeon really adopted that green slime as part of its network identity. And so Double Dare is kind of the show that the green slime torch was passed to. Yeah, I would say that's fair. And, and, you know, the whole disgusting nature of Double Dare, I think, you know, is a direct response to you can't do that on television. Yeah. And kind of gave Nickelodeon that, you know, gross kids type of, you know, identity, I would, I guess you could say. But this is, yeah, definitely a big show, Double Dare. I can I remember watching it quite often because it was on all the time mm-hmm. um, and repeats and everything else when I was of Nickelodeon type uh, age in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. So never got into Super Sloppy Double Dare or the other Double Dare spinoffs, but double the original Double Dare was where it was at for me. Double Dare made its debut on October 6th, 1986, and it ran all the way to March 15th, 1991. And uh, during that time, as you mentioned, it it had that rebranding where it became super sloppy Double Dare. They really wanted to emphasize making a mess of all the physical challenges and the obstacle courses. Uh, I mean, it started out messy, but it got even crazier as time went on. There was also a version featuring teams of four called Family Double Dare. 
And that aired briefly on the Fox network when it was just getting started. Uh, Very, very briefly, April 3rd to July 23rd, 1988. And then it moved back to Nickelodeon. And there it ran from August 13th, 1990 to February 6th, 1993. There were also some super specials that popped up every so often, uh, along with a very short-lived super special Double Dare that aired in 1992, and that featured celebrities playing for charity. That kind of stuff always kind of went on with the Nickelodeon shows. And these, of course, were all hosted by Mark Summers. Yes. And it was also Double Dare 2000, Mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, believe it or not, took place in the year 2000 because <laughs> everything around that time was you know new century new millennium oriented so slap a 2000 on the end of the title and there you go yes and that lasted not that many episodes i'm not sure if you have the exact number but january 24th to november 10th 2000 so it yeah it all year. lasted within that year 2000 yes now mark summers returned to the franchise for that show but only as the executive producer. By that time, he was not hosting. Jason Harris instead was the host. I didn't like that show. It just, it, it, because I grew up with the original Double Dare, this one just wasn't the same. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen Double Dare 2000. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much it. It was just they wanted to bring back a bygone era, it seems. And yeah, it just, it, we had seen it already. You know, yeah. maybe for the younger generations, it was something novel because it hadn't been around for many years. But for someone like me, I was already in high school, so I didn't, I didn't watch it. I didn't really care. Yep. I was an adult, well, pretty much an adult at that time, so same thing. I didn't really care about that one. You should have called it Double Dare Y2K. <laughs> now, just a little background on Mark Summers. He was born as Mark Berkowitz, but he changed his name to Mark Summers because of the son of Sam killer David Berkowitz that was terrorizing New York at the time. That's pretty funny. Yeah, not, not the son of Sam, but, you know. Yes, yeah, so let's clarify. I, I don't think the son of Sam was funny, um, but the fact he had a you know, poor guy to change his name. Uh, but Summers is kind of a nice Hollywood name, so. You know, yeah, that's fine. Gives you a nice feeling, it's summer. Summers. <laughs> Warm feeling. Uh, he worked as a magician, a DJ, a comedian, and a studio page. And on one fateful day in 1973, when Mark was only 22 years old, the announcer for the game show Joker's Wild got sick, and Mark was called to fill in. And from there, his showbiz career really took off. He ended up being a warm-up comedian for the sitcoms Soap and Alice, as well as on Ed McMahon's talent showcase, Star Search. Mm. And he also went on to write on Bob Barker's last season of the game show Truth or Consequences. He really didn't get his hosting break until he was well into his 30s. Yeah, 1986. Now, in the 90s, after kind of after the whole Double Dare era, he was also the host of a kind of a sort of variety talent show called What Would You Do? Do you remember that at all? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. That's why I do remember some, for some reason, because I did watch that, probably because it was still, you know, early 90s. Yeah. It aired quite a bit, too. Yeah, it was on quite it was a lot of reruns for that one. Uh, the announcer for Double Dare was John Harvey, who was just called Harvey on the show. He had a career in radio and was the longtime host of the show Harvey in the Morning in Philadelphia. Yep. And you could tell he you know, had a great voice. It'd be perfect for radio, too. You could tell he has a sense of humor, at least, not just an announcer. Part of the show, really. And there was also a number of stage assistants that helped out on the show. Uh, but the most famous was a lady named Robin. This was Robin Morella. I recall Robin. The other ones were kind of nameless. I mean, they might have mentioned them here and there, but Robin was always kind of like in the forefront. She was like the head stagehand. Yeah, she definitely 
ended up being in that role where she was kind of like the one that lasted all those years. Most remembered anyway. I, I have this memory of going to Nickelodeon Studios in 1992 and seeing her. Like, you saw either, Robin? I think so. I, again, this might just be my eight-year-old brain making up stuff, but I, I remember seeing Robin and her like uh, showing some exhibit or something to our tour group, something about how sl the slime is made or something for Double Dare, but I don't know, maybe that was a dream or something. Well, I, I could tell you my experience. Should I tell you my experience about Double Dare? My, <laughs> my hands-on experience? <laughs> sure. I also, we talked about Nickelodeon Studios in, um, I think, the previous episode about Nickelodeon. Yeah. Magical was building. In, yeah, it was in Universal Studios for a number of years when Nickelodeon's heyday, I guess you can say. Um, and you can go tour it because it was, they filmed a lot of shows there, especially even um, Double Dare was filmed at Nickelodeon Studios for a good part of its run from like 89 to 92. And then the 2000 uh, series was filmed all in Nickelodeon Studios in Orlando, which mm -hmm. is in Universal Studios again. So you could take a tour of Nickelodeon Studios and it had the cool slime fountain out front. And now it's the home of the Blue Man Group show at Universal <laughs> Studios, unfortunately. But when I took the tour there, it's all, you know, the wacky Nickelodeon colors. And it was pretty cool inside because it had all different shapes, late 80s type Nickelodeon shapes. Mm -hmm. But I actually saw... Now, hold on to your hat, Scott. Okay, you're sitting down? <laughs> yes. I actually saw and waved to Mr. Mark Summers. Really? Yes. Yep. He, our tour group was going through, and he was going up an escalator, and, you know, he either saw the tour group or someone in the tour group saw him, and he was, you know, kind enough to turn back and just give us a wave and say hello. That was pretty amazing, I gotta wow. say. Yeah. This was probably, what year was that in? Closer to the end of the Double Dare run, I would say. Mm -hmm. Probably, like, more towards the, you know, 91, 92 time frame when we went to Florida that time, but that was quite a, a thrill. That was, that whole trip had many thrills in it. That's why I also saw Michael Jackson and Macaulay Culkin and at Universal Studios the same day. Wow. You believe that? That's crazy. Yep. That was crazy. It was crazy times. Yep. But I saw Mark Summers. Nice guy. As far as That's I could funny. tell. So you, you saw Mark Summers. I saw Robin. This is the, the closest we've ever been to w one of the shows we were covering yep. on the show. Absolutely. Wow. No one ever saw Harvey, though. Another thing I like to mention, too, is the announcer. Harvey was the announcer from 86 to 92. And then Doc Holliday took over from 92 to 93. Now, I was under the impression that Doc Holliday had passed away in 1887 <laughs> from tuberculosis. But apparently he came back and hosted Double Dare for a year. Or was the narrator of Double Dare for a year. So that's pretty amazing. Wow. Good for him. Doc, Doc Holliday. I know. What are you going to do? Now, for this episode of the podcast, Sean and I watched an episode of Double Dare from its first year, 1986. We try to look for the very first episode. It would have been great to see it from the beginning. But unfortunately, you know, clips and v episodes are very, very rare. And they used to air on a channel called Nickelodeon Games and Sports, Nickelodeon Gas, which was a great channel where... I, I guess Nickelodeon realized, hey, we have all these archives of all these old game shows that we used to air in the late 80s, early 90s. Why don't we just devote a whole channel to it? And I love that channel. It was so great, you know, kind of reminiscing of these shows I used to watch when I was younger. And yeah. it only lasted for a few years, and that was the end of the Double Dare reruns. Uh, I believe they do air internationally. In fact, there are some international adaptations as well. I believe, at least in Brazil... 
they're, they are still making their own version of Double Dare and airing them. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I never heard that before. I didn't know it was international, to be honest with you. I thought it was just, you know, Nickelodeon, United States. That's pretty cool that it could go international. Yeah. Like you said, Scott, this was such, you know, please feel free, dear listener, to look on YouTube. That's where we found this episode for, because that's the only place. I mean, they make, they made a few compilation videos on VHS. Yes. Um, but they're hard to come by. And honestly, I was telling Scott this before we started recording. I spent more time looking at the Double Dare documentary they're going to be talking about, behind the scenes documentary. And even though I, I did view the, Briefly, the episode I picked out, and I went back today to try to take some more notes on it, and Viacom has pulled it and put a copyright strike against that video. <laughs> so the episode that we're talking about right now, which is actually, believe it or not, I found it today, because that's another thing, there's no real good documentation about when these vi- these came out, these right. uh, episodes. They're kind of, I, I, I have a feeling they filmed a lot of them in like a week. They spread them up out through a season sort of thing, because I did find a website, finally, that listed this episode. It's actually in what they consider the third season of the show. Oh, really? Okay. Believe it or not. Put it in perspective, according to the dating on this website, the first, second, and third seasons all took place in 1986. (laughs) Okay. So that kind of goes with my theory that they pumped these out like crazy. So the total number of episodes for Double Dare alone, from 86 to 93... So you're really talking about, you know, a seven-year period was mm-hmm. 525 episodes. <laughs> so you could see how many they did in 1986. It was quite a few. So really, third season, first year of, of Double Dare is when this episode we tried to review until Viacom pulled it came out. All right, so let's get right into this episode. And that's great, Sean, that you didn't catch all of the trivia questions in this show. So, you know, maybe you can uh, make some guesses on these questions. And for those listening, you can uh, make your guesses, too, as we go along. Yeah, Scott, I actually didn't get any of the questions. You know, I, I listened to them once, but I don't recall any of the answers. Mm-hmm. I was more focusing on the other aspects of the show instead of the questions. So, yeah, I am going to guess along as you ask them and see how many I get right. <laughs> I doubt it's going to be many. It's like our Quiz Bowl episode. Yes. All right, so Mark Summers opens this episode of the show wearing a fake nose and glasses, and he opens the show, as he always does, saying, On your mark, get set. Go. And there's always that musical, you know, Da-na-na. accompaniment. Which I, I think the words are double dare, <laughs> double dare, double dare, da-na-na. You know, it's funny. The guy that wrote that theme song also wrote the theme song to the old game show called Double Dare. which really, Did he really? Yeah, which isn't connected to this show other than the name. I wonder if there's some kind of lawsuit involved with that or something that, you know, why would they pick the same guy? You know what I mean? I know, I know. Like, just some back, like, he found out about this, he's like, wait a minute, I have rights to something, and they, they appeased him by letting him write the theme song to Double Dare. No, I don't think it had to do with him, just, just the creators of the other show. I guess it didn't matter back then. As far as theme songs went, it was like that guy Mike Post. That guy wrote, like, every theme song in the 80s, 70s yeah. and 80s. My, in fact, my dad had a cassette tape of Mike Post themes. Like, they even made an album of it. What was Mike Post's most famous theme, do you think? Uh, Going off topic a little bit. but Oh, man. Hill Street Blues, maybe? Oh, or... yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. There, there's a lot. He must have made a fortune. Mike Post oh. must be a rich man. Yes. 
So now that we see two teams, and they begin by participating in a challenge where they crawl halfway into a large cloth bag, and then kind of kicking their legs, they slide their way headfirst across the stage floor to their teammates. This is a really stupid challenge. But some of them kind of flopped. Yes. Some of them are very popular and, and really did well, but some of them are just like, oh, man, what do they think when I do this? But... <laughs> Yeah, this was year one. They got they started to get better as time went on, but it's funny to see some of these terrible challenges in their first year. Yeah, yeah. So one team makes it. Harvey, the announcer, says that the winner gets $20 and control of the game. And uh, something funny to point out is that their points are dollars, and that's not the case in all the versions of Double Dare. Some of the international versions, they have to switch it to points because in some places uh, you can't have uh, kids win money. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, so it had to be point value. I do remember reading that somewhere, yeah. So the game is over within seconds. It happens so quick, if you notice, Mark is making his way to the lector on the podium there, and he's asking the production staff kind of who won. He's, like, pointing side side to side. He doesn't even know. Yeah, he's very high high energy on this. I mean, he's definitely, you could tell that he's, let's go, let's go, let's go. Especially during the, the obstacle course at the end, which we'll talk about. He's, uh, man, he is... Poor kids. I feel bad for the kids. Not that he's a bad guy or anything, but just like, he's really, he's not just sitting in the backgrounds, you know, waiting for stuff to happen like some game shows. He's really involved with the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, you'll also notice when you watch this that uh, in the first year, every competitor is wearing red. Both teams are wearing red. Yeah. It wasn't until much later they decided, oh, we should make one team red and the other team blue. Which kind of makes more sense. Um, <laughs> it yeah. always took a while. I think after they went to syndication, they uh, changed it up a little bit. It's so weird, especially like that opening, that uh, toss-up challenge, because both teams are side-by-side -side in red. Yeah, it's like it gets very, very, very confusing. And even at that time, the way they had the set set up, this is actually filmed in Philadelphia, what we saw. Uh, one side of the set had like red lights, and the other side of the set was kind of like lit up in blue. So they yeah. already had it, like, blue side and red side, so I, I don't know what they were thinking. It was bizarre. And so this episode that we watched, this was uh, <laughs> featuring a team of two kids calling themselves the Eagles versus another team calling themselves the Care Bears, because one of the perks of a team on Double Dare is you get to name your own team. And honestly, that's one of the reasons I picked the episode, because they <laughs> named the team the Care Bears, which I thought was really funny for some reason. Uh. Eagles, I mean, that's timeless, but Care Bears... They have to be embarrassed about that now if they're on that team. Now as a 45-year-old, they must be, you know, kind of kicking themselves, calling themselves <laughs> the Care Bears. But. I, I found a list. It's an old Angel Fire page uh, where somebody actually went through and listed every episode of Double Dare. Yep. And it's very funny just to go through and see some of the team names over the years. It, like, you know, the, the Goobers versus the Raisinets, the Prep Boys versus the Slimes, the Hillbillies <laughs> versus the Patriots... Uh, the monkeys versus the lions. Yep. There were some. There were some other really weird ones. Sports teams or just yeah, animals seem to be a common theme. Yeah, or, or show, shows of the time. Yeah, anything pop culture. That's why, of course, we get the Care Bears here, as they were kind of a big cartoon at that time. Now, Scott, what would your team name be with a '90s or '80s theme? What would you think you'd want to go for? Oh man, probably the Urkels. Oh, I was gonna say the Urkels. Seriously. Oh man. <laughs> okay. All right, no, you can you have the Urkels. I'll, I'll be the Tanners after, uh, no, the, the Comets. Tanners. I'll be the Comets after uh, the, the Tanners dog on Full House. Wow, that's a, that's a deep reference right there. Okay. <laughs> I'll probably be the um, the Balkies. 
Oh, that's good too. Dance Joy. The Meposians. The Meposians. <laughs> uh, so at this point of the show, Mark does that host banter, you know, that I guess all game show hosts feel compelled they have to do at some point. Yes. So uh, in Mark's host banter with the kids, uh, we see our team on the left is Nicole and Chris. They call themselves the Eagles. And we learn from Mark's conversation that the two of them are on the same track team. That's fascinating. Well, see, I, you know, you, you would think that everybody's just kind of a random draw from around the country. Yeah. But this is an early show, and that's not surprising because these were all being filmed in Philadelphia. And as I learned from my earlier episode about uh, where in the world is Carmen yes. San Diego yeah. with the great Greg Gethard, which I encourage everyone to listen to that show. Excellent That's episode. Yes. Hilarious. Greg was great. Uh, sometimes these kids' game shows are just kind of recruiting from local areas. And that's, I, yeah, definitely the case. I probably grabbed a bunch of kids, just like I did in, in uh, where in the Royals, Car uh, Carmen San Diego. Yep. Basically canvassed the local schools or whatever, especially since, like you said, it was filmed in Philadelphia at the time. Yep. They probably very well, probably two kids from the same school that knew each other well. Yep. Now, to the right, we have the other team. This is Bill and Missy calling themselves the Care Bears. And I have a feeling Missy named the team and not Bill. <laughs> Poor Bill. <laughs> he probably wants to like, you know, the, you know, the Transformers or something or, you know. Yeah. The MC Hammers. <laughs> That's before MC Hammer even. But, no, uh, she probably threw a fit and had her way with the Care Bears. <laughs> Yeah, Bill kind of had his head down when they were announced, and Mark asked him about that, and, you know, he just kind of shook his head, you know, he didn't seem too happy. So, Mark's question here is very funny. He says, uh, Bill tells me that he likes to have fun. What exactly does that mean? And Bill just replies, uh, just what I said. <laughs> like, okay, this is going nowhere. That's when there's a stage hand off the side, the producer is like, you know, Doing the slice mark across his neck, like, you know, come on, get to the next one. Get the next question, skip this part. And Mark tells Bill that he reminds him of Robbie Benson, the, the child actor, which is pretty funny. Robbie, that's, wow, that's a reference I don't even know. He kind of looks like him. Mark was kind of right. What was Robbie Benson in? Robbie Benson went on to be the voice of Beast in Beauty of the Beast, but this was way before then. Oh, that's, that's a bizarre reference. Was he a, a more of an 80s, 70s child actor? Or, yes. You know, Oh, okay, all right. So it would have been timely at the time. And it was funny at the end of this talking with the Care Bears where he talks to Missy and he's just like, you know, oh, what kind of dancing do you like to do? She says, jazz. And he's like, okay, and then let's get on with the... It's like, <laughs> <laughs> she just got one word in. Yeah, yeah. after Bill, he was, he was done with that team. So Mark immediately goes into the rules of the game. This is something that he does for every episode. And... It's pretty complicated, like, as he rattles it off. Basically, the rules of Double Dare are you get money for a correct answer, but if you don't know it, you can dare the other team to answer instead. Now, from there, that team can either answer the question and get double the money, or they can double dare, uh. sending the question back to the original team. Then, that original team can answer the question for four times the dollars, although that's rare. If they dare in the first place, they probably don't know it. Yeah, unless they're really devious and they know the answer and they just want to get the 40 bucks. Yeah, but you have I mean, to really make sure it's something that I know and I know they don't know. And that's Yeah, that's how you do it. I doubt that's ever even happened. It, often. It, very rarely. Yeah. 
Or, if they don't know it after being double-dared, they can accept what's called a physical challenge. And these are these small, timed games, often messy, and, you know, these are what makes double-dare fun. 15, 20 seconds, 30 seconds was, like, the, the longest, right? Yeah, it, it, it varied it in, in this version, yeah. So, the Eagles actually won the opening game, who knew? And they get the first question. So, here's the first question, Sean, and, and you okay, listeners, yep. <clears throat> see if you can figure this one out. In what city does Night Court take place? Oh, man. Um, what city does Night Court take place? I know this is probably wrong. I'm going to say New York. That is correct. Oh, how much money did I get? Uh, you would have gotten uh, 20. Okay. I'm looking at a spreadsheet here. It says that toss-up was 20. Normal question was 10. Oh, okay. Dare so, was 20. Okay, so you got 10. I get 10 bucks. Okay. New York City, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> Now, one the, for one, baby. You got it right, but the Eagles did not. They guessed Los Angeles right off the bat, and the Care Bears got the next question. So this is the next question. Okay. And th right. this is a little weird here. He says, in 1953, Walter Annenberg founded this magazine that you probably use to guide you around the airwaves. I mean, I want to say something funny, but I'm just going to say, I think it's TV Guide. Is you are correct, correct yes. But, see, the clue is that the word guide is in quotes, meaning that Mark is supposed to emphasize it as a clue. He didn't do air quotes? Guide? No. No, he it, said guide. In fact, he read it wrong the first time. He read it as, founded this magazine that gives you guide around the airwaves. That's horrible. That's how he read it. So, you know, it was in quotes. Mark was supposed to emphasize that, but he completely bungled the words, and the kids really had no clue. Once they heard 1952, they just went, you know... Yeah. They give that thousand-yard stare, and that was it. So they dared. For the Eagles, Mark reread the question, but correctly this time. But still, they double-dared it back. And then Mark read it for a third time, changed the wording again, saying that it guides you around the airwaves, and it didn't help. The Care Bears took a physical challenge. That's not fair. It should be consistent. <laughs> so for this physical challenge, this was pretty funny, seeing some of these early ones. They had stage assistant Robin place a plastic piggy bank on the floor, and they kind of sprinkled some quarters around it. And they had to use these handheld claw toys. Yes, where, yeah. Where you squeeze the handle, and it's like a, you know, like a robot claw. Yeah, yeah. It's and like they a tiny little surface to squeeze. It's not any big thing. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they had to pick up three quarters and drop them into the slot at the top of the piggy bank within 30 seconds. Which is pretty pretty wicked hard. I mean, it's it's not easy. It would be a near impossible task, but each kid had a claw. And Mark suggested, oh, one of you should pick up the quarters, and the other should use the claw to grab it from their teammate's claw, so now it's being held by the faces and not by the edges. And then you can easily put it in. That's smart, yes. Yeah, so they won the challenge, and they got $40 for it with time to spare. And Mark complimented their cleverness, probably not realizing that he gave away the trick of the game. <laughs> it was really unfair. Well, he, he probably felt bad from the whole bungling of the question of about <laughs> guiding you to the it's airwaves. Probably, probably what it was. Pr production was like, all right, whatever. He probably has a he probably has a ear earpiece in. Like, okay, you screwed that up. You gotta give his kids a <laughs> give give them the answer. Give them the trick. To do this. <laughs> Now, because they won, the Care Bears got the next question. So, listen to this, Sean. This is very yes. important that you get this one. According to the Jewelry Industry Council, 
What gift do you give on the first wedding anniversary? Um, How are the kids supposed to know this? Yeah. Well, my answer for any wedding anniversary is cash, so... <laughs> cash is my answer to that one. Nice. Well, they, they dared the Eagles. They didn't know either. The Eagles double-dared it back. The Care Bears took another physical challenge. And Mark reveals that the answer is a clock. What? Yep. A clock. Yep. Yeah, how would kids ever know that? So what did you buy for your first anniversary? Um, I don't think I got my wife anything. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> no, she was uh, she was pregnant with our first child, so that was my gift. Oh, that's pretty Isn't lame. That nice? We went out to, we, yeah, I know. <laughs> we went out to dinner. I remember that. We had a nice dinner at a fancy restaurant. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm such a romantic. So in this next physical challenge, it's called Wubber Ducky Dump, or at least Rubber Ducky Dump, whatever. This is what Mark calls it anyway. Wubber Ducky Dump. Because let's make fun of people with speech impediments. (laughs) Yeah, probably. There's a metal tub filled with water, and yellow rubber ducks are in it. This whole thing's wheeled out. The kids have to reach in and completely submerge all of the rubber ducks for three seconds. I believe he said there's 15... It looked like more than yeah, that. Yeah, I, I remember this one. I, I'm not a big fan of this physical challenge. I think it's just stupid. I mean, yes, it's so subjective. You know, are they fully submerged? I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of like, okay, give them the money sort of, sort of thing. <laughs> this is one of the challenges that uh, we'll talk about later. There is a trick to it, which we learn. But here, the kids don't know. Missy kind of seems afraid to get wet. She kind of holds a few down with her hands. Bill, on the other hand, figured he... He knows the real trick to it, and he just jumps into the tub back first. Just lays on them, yeah. Yeah, which doesn't really help. They they all just kind of go around him. So Missy kind of has to work around him and try to help him, and it, it just really doesn't work. Mark is cracking up. He finds this whole thing hilarious that the kid actually did this. But Mark gives it to them, even though you can clearly see there's one duck behind Missy's elbow that doesn't completely yeah. go under. Mark doesn't bother to walk completely around them. He just counts to three, and they give it to them. At this point, Bill's sick of Missy's crap and just, you know, <laughs> he's going to do what he wants to do. Uh, She's a dragon on the good team so far. So now the Care Bears, they're winning 80-20 to 20 and still having control. They get the next question. So here, here's another question for you, Sean. I'm ready. In 1654, the first one of these was built across the Newberry River in Rowley, Massachusetts. Now, you have three options. Okay. Oh, they give you options. Yes. A toll bridge, a drawbridge, or a covered bridge. Um, I have to go with covered bridge, since they're kind of the New England staple, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. That was my guess, too. Uh, they dare to the Eagles... And the Eagles guessed, like you did, a covered bridge. But that's wrong. The answer was a toll bridge. That's a stupid question. Yeah, who knew, though? Was it a covered toll bridge? Mark gives a little more information. He says the toll was for animals only, and people got across for free. <laughs> I, I, had, I had never heard that before. Living in Massachusetts and, you know, in, no. in, in yeah. school, you, you kind of get a little bit of Massachusetts history and never heard that the first toll bridge was here. So they said it was the first toll bridge ever? Yeah. I got First one built. on that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's, a, that's another weird question that no kid would ever know. No, but at least, you know, that's something they might. I mean, it has nothing pertaining to anniversaries or things they would have no knowledge of. You know, that you don't yeah. learn that in school. Yeah, 
That's a weird question. I don't like that one. <laughs> so with $100 now, the Care Bears get the next question. Who is the author of the Butter Battle book and You're Only Old Once? Um, well, of course, that's the great D.H. Lawrence was author of those. <laughs> so the Care Bears don't know. They dare the Eagles. They double dare it back. Care Bears once again opt for the physical challenge. The answer was Dr. Seuss. Oh, he's my second. I think that was, wasn't that D.H. Lawrence's um, pseudonym, Dr. Seuss? I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay. No, well, maybe someone uh, can check check on yeah. it for us and email us. Maybe a fact checker on that one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> now, this next challenge is called Marshmallow Rally. And in this, each competitor has a paddle, and they have to bounce a marshmallow back and forth to each other as they walk side by side. At the other end of the stage is a basket that they have to drop the marshmallows in. They have 20 seconds to drop two. Yeah, I remember this one, too. I'm not a big fan of this one, either. Yeah, they're very marshmallow-heavy in this yeah. first year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one thing I always remember about Double Dare's physical challenges is there was always a colored liquid in a clear glass with a line. And they always had these things yes. where you had to fill it over that line. That's always what I remember. And there was none of that here. Yeah, it was all... Well, they, they kind of got more creative, like you said, as the years went on and got more into the disgusting type of gack type or slime type stuff. Yeah. Whereas this was a little, probably, you know, cleanup time was a little less on this too, you know. Mm -hmm. A lot of food here. Yes. And they could sell the food afterwards in the, you know, <laughs> to, the, to the audience. So they only get one. You know, the first one they got right away. The second one, they just couldn't bounce it back and forth. And they had to so get two, right? They had to get two. They got two. one quite yeah. easily and then just struggled the rest of the way. Kind of a dumb game. And so the Eagles get $40 and control. So here's the next question. Yes. What state's name translates as Town of the Large Canoes? Oh, um... And Mark then gives them the hint, this may give it away to you, yeah. Jefferson City is its capital. That doesn't help me at all. Um, <laughs> it's one of those big states out west. <sighs> oh, come on, Sean. Um... Like Idaho or Iowa? Oh, come on. Apologies to listeners in Missouri. Oh, come on, Missouri. Missouri. The town Sean of the didn't. big canoe? Town of the large canoes. I've never heard that before. I guess I should have known that Jefferson City was the capital of Missouri. I, I apologize. I, I thought I think... it was St. Louis. St. Louis is the capital of Missouri? It is not. That's weird. <laughs> well, the Eagles got it. They correctly answer Missouri. So now they get the next question. This is one of these ones where all the clues are in the question. He says, She gets plenty of respect cruising down the freeway of love in a pink Cadillac. She's also the queen of soul. Mm. <laughs> um, Come on, Sean. Queen of soul. Respect. Freeway of love. Oh, uh, pink Cadillac. Aretha Franklin? Yes. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Eagles, of course, got this right away. And now, just as Mark is about to continue, we get a buzzer. Uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> and so the Care Bears are leading the Eagles $100 to $80 at the end of round one. And from here, they go to commercial. All right. So when we return, we are told that in round two, all dollar totals are doubled. And another toss-up game is played for control. So this is called Marshmallow Toss. Again with the marshmallows. Yeah. <laughs> they went to uh, Costco and got a deal. <laughs> And it involves the boys tossing marshmallows to the girls, who
who are holding plastic cups glued to tongue depressors in their mouths. Yeah, I I remember this. <laughs> I prefer the one where they're wearing like um, I like the the ones with the cups on their helmets. Remember that those games? Mm-hmm. I prefer that one and the ones on the tongue. But okay. Yeah. Again, we had some budget restrictions in the first season, first yes. year. And a lot of, like, you know, kids getting hit in the face with things at this point. Yeah, we did that in 2016. It'd be massive lawsuits by getting hit with a marshmallow. So, <laughs> 1980s, you walked it off. You get hit with a marshmallow in the face and, you know, yeah, just walk away. And so well, the Eagles ended up winning this pretty easily. It's, uh, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a hard game. I, I thought it would take them a long time, but no, it, it was fairly quick. Adding to Bill's frustration with Misty. <laughs> and so the Eagles now get this question. What kind of hobby does an actophilist have? And you have three options. Does he collect teddy bears? Take acting lessons? Or clean file cabinets? An actophilist. Uh, I think it must be collecting teddy bears. No? Is that your final answer? Yes. It's a different game show, but still. Because the other tours are so stupid, I can't imagine them being <laughs> the ones, the answers. <laughs> exactly. It, it's funny because when he says, or clean file cabinets, you can hear Harvey just losing it on that one. <laughs> just cracking up. It's like the dumbest joke. So the Eagles, they're all confused. They dare. It's double dared back to them. And they take the physical challenge. And the answer was, collects teddy bears. Yes. Of course. If you're an actophilist, especially if you're a male actophilist, you need to seek professional help immediately. Why? There's there's some <laughs> stiff teddy bears that are worth quite a lot of money. It could be an investment. Okay. How many stuffed animals are in your house? Way too many. Yeah, so there you go. Don't Seek ask help. how many are in my, in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Way too many. It's, it's a self-shame right now <laughs> as a confirmed actophilist. Uh, so for this physical challenge now, a cart is wheeled out topped with three bowls of clearly trick cereal, although they're not saying it. Yeah. And these are filled also with milk. Mark then drops three teething rings into the cereal, one per bowl. Again, they must have just made a run to the supermarket for all of these things. <laughs> just cracking up three teething rings. And so while one kid is blindfolded, the other is supposed to push and direct their head from bowl to bowl until all three are pulled out. And they have 20 seconds to do so. Or otherwise known as the most embarrassing death ever, if, <laughs> if you don't make it back up. It was so funny on these challenges where it's like one kid does all the work and the second kid like is supposed to guide them. They Cheer really them had, on. Yeah. yeah, they had nothing for them to do. So it's like, all right, well, you grab them by the back of the head. And just, like, whip his head down into the cereal. Like, oh, thanks. And I've seen ones, too, where they, they can't do anything. Like, they, they are restricted from touching their, their teammate, you know? Yeah. It's weird, yeah. You think every single one should be a team effort, but then you have ones like this, and it's kind of... <laughs> There's nothing else they could do. Yeah, exactly. Now, he got one, but it was way after time ran out, so it's officially zero. I don't know. It's just too much cereal, too much milk, and then this teething ring at the bottom. Yeah, it's like, yeah, who who... That's just disgusting. I mean, <laughs> man, imagine if you had a milk allergy or something. That would be horrible. Oh, they have to clear, I'm sure, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, back then, who knows? Yeah, probably not. So with the lead now of 180 to 120, the Care Bears get this next question. Okay. In 1814, the words to which American song were scribbled on an envelope during the bombardment of Fort McHenry? I know this. This is the um, Star Spangled Banner. 
Of course. Yes. The bombs bursting in air? Yes. So even though, this is funny, even though it's very hard to hear on the broadcast, if you turn the volume all the way up, you can hear someone in the audience tries to cheat and start singing the Star Spangled Banner as a clue to the kids. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? Yeah. I hope that person was ejected immediately. (laughs) Probably one of the parents, all of whom Probably, probably one of the idiot parents. And Mark calls him out on it, but he's like trying to be playful. He's saying, oh, somebody's given their own version out in the audience. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. As they were escorted out by the uh, Nickelodeon <laughs> security staff. The slime goons. Slime. <laughs> now the Care Bears, they didn't pick up on it, so they dare it to the Eagles. It's double dared back to them, and they take another physical challenge. And the answer, of course, the Star Spangled Banner, like you said. And so for this next physical challenge, Robin brings out a football helmet with a checkerboard glued to the top. See, these are the ones I love with the helmets. <laughs> This is so cheap, too. One kid has to wear this while the other throws a checker and tries to get it to land on top within 15 seconds. I I love these ones. These are my favorite. Because they, I don't know, anything with the head and helmets. It's so hard, though. This one was, like, ridiculous because of the distance she had to stand away. Yeah. Poor Bill, he had to kneel, and he had to make sure that his head was, like, square. You know, like, that everything was flush. Everything was straight and level. And she's just throwing these checkers, and they're bouncing off like crazy. There was, like, no way they could have ever won this. Yep. And again, Bill's seething and his rage is starting to build <laughs> at this point. I was wondering what would happen if you threw the whole bowl. Because they gave her a whole bowl of checkers. <laughs> if you throw all of them, would one maybe One would land? probably, yeah, one would have to be there, right? Yeah. If There's like always a trick to these games. 70 I'm checkers went towards someone's head. It's probably <laughs> against the rules, though. I don't know. So they're unsuccessful, and the lead now goes to the Eagles, 200 to $180. Oh, man. And they get the next question. A Grammy is an award given in the music business. An Emmy is given to television programs. Yes. Sean, what is the Tony Award given for? The Tony Award is given for uh, Broadway shows. Yes, plays. Plays, yes. So, the Eagles did not know that. They dared the Care Bears, it's double dared back. The Eagles once again take a physical challenge. I'm starting to think that these, these questions are made to have physical challenges for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it almost seems that way, huh? Hmm. It was funny in Family Double Dare, because they try to use a lot of these questions, but the parents were, like, all on it. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's... <laughs> the dad's like, Sergeant Bilko, I saw every episode of that. Yeah, yeah. So, in this next physical challenge, they call it Weatherman, because the names really weren't that great either. Uh, There was a rack of three very sad-looking hanging balloons. I don't know if you caught this one, Sean. Yes, yeah. I I remember seeing this one before, yep. They were filled with mystery liquids, and so this was wheeled out on stage. One kid puts on a rain poncho and an umbrella hat with a nail on the top. Yep, Yep, I remember this one very well. (laughs) Then they sit on a wheeled chair, like an office chair. Yep. The the other kid, which has really no part in this at all, wheels them into place under the balloons and tells them when to stand. And they have to stand, hence popping the balloon. And there was like a cup there, right? No, not even on this one. Oh, really? Because I remember yeah. the ones that was a cup. Yeah, I think they got a little more creative as time went on because this was so easy. All they had to do was pop three balloons in 15 seconds. Oh, yeah. Th- these kids did it in five. Because, yeah, the other ones with the, with the cup, you have to pop them and then you have to fill up, like you said before, fill up the cup to the line. 
Yeah. With the mystery liquid, which is probably urine or something. You know? <laughs> they should have said it was urine. That was funny. One was definitely whipped cream, and then the uh, others were just mystery liquids. And you gotta, you gotta think, this must be quite a thing to put together, because they don't know how many physical challenges are really gonna be. Yeah. So they have to, uh, every question could really be a physical challenge, if you think about it. It's true. If the kids were complete morons, didn't know anything, they could just, everything be physical challenge, physical challenge, and they have to be ready to push a new one out in two seconds. I'm sure they're yeah, cutting you, everything, but I mean. Yeah, you wonder how many they had queued up in the back. Yeah. I imagine it's like a whole line of them <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> Poor Robin. Yep. So now, because they won so easily, they took a $100 lead and the buzzer sounds ending the game. So oh the Eagles goodness. won after kind of trailing most of this game. It really showed you it didn't matter. You just do these stupid challenges and that's it. Poor Bill. You know, and the funny part about this is, I don't know if you read about this, but uh, Bill and Misty later got married. 95. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. So Mark really tries to rush the game along towards the end here. Yeah. The buzzer sounds. And well, so they have to get like, another, another 15 episodes in that day, so, you know. I know, really. They had to crank these out, get them going. They had to reset the obstacle course. That took a while. <laughs> so the Care Bears, as the losing team, are told that they get to split their $180 earnings, and the announcer Harvey tells them what parting gifts they've won. British so Night Sneakers. No, right? you know, there, no. there was no BKs yet. Really? Oh. Yeah, I, I, was look, I was waiting for it. That was a staple of these shows, is British Knights. British Knights, yeah. But uh, first of all, $90 a piece for a kid in the 80s, that's that's pretty great. Bill bought a the first Vanilla Ice cassette tape. <laughs> now this is great, some of the, the stuff they won as parting gifts. They won a month's supply of Bonkers candy. Oh, Bonkers. Holy the, smokes. The chewy candy that bonks you out. Yeah. Is it a sedative? There's some downers in it. Now, do you remember Bonkers candy, Sean? Barely. I do remember it. I don't know if I've ever had it, but I remember it being very popular back then. Yeah. I, I think it's like one of those candies I had once. Like it's like a when gum I was... or something? Or I, I, it's I chewy. Know. I think it's more like yeah. a Starburst, but it had a tangy filling. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I do remember those. It's one of those things my grandparents would buy me because my parents would never let me have it. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they had some standard fruit flavors, but they also had chocolate, which just sounds gross. Yeah, I remember. I remember the fruit flavors. Now you say the filling thing. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of those. How do you determine what the month's supply of Bonkers is? Yeah, I was wondering that too. One an hour. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what is it per day? I mean, how many? It's by kid, you know. Yeah, really. They give him a package. They give him a you know like a a, a, a pallet. <laughs> I had to look up what happened to Bonkers, and believe it or not, in February 20, because they they were a Nabisco brand. Yep. Nabisco was a very big sponsor of these shows. Uh, in February 2012, Leaf Brands bought the trademark from Nabisco and planned to relaunch them. And according to their website, they still want to, but they are in the process of acquiring the machinery necessary to wrap them. And it says that they hope to make them available by the end of 2015. Well, that hasn't happened, apparently. Well, who knows? So either they're out there and they just never updated their website or it just never happened. And this was great. The other prize that they get are bottles of Nickelodeon Green Slime Shampoo, which oh. has has the tagline, gets you clean, won't turn you green. How many do they get, they say? Just bottles? Yeah, I don't know. They just said that they'll get it. Maybe just one each. <laughs> Out the door with them. Yeah. And if you notice, the bottle has the You Can't Do That on Television logo on it. Yeah. A rare piece of merchandising based on that great show. 
if they were smart, they would have never used them, and they're now part of collector's items. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I'm going to look on eBay right now. Hold on one second. What's it called? Nickelodeon Green Slime Shampoo. I'm looking up right now. Zero items found. Wow. Green Slime Shampoo. So Harvey also announces that some members of the studio audience get Reebok items like watches, t-shirts, and duffel bags, and we see Robin modeling for them. <laughs> some members of the audience? Yeah, just some members, which if you, at the end, see the audience, is not a lot of people, but maybe they just kind of split up like, all right, you can get watches, you can get shirts, you can get duffel bags, you know, you pick. Why maybe that's I, what they mean. I guess they do, they say, they announce that because they want people to come to the show, is that, why do you, what's the purpose of announcing that? Well, just so that Reebok gets their name out there. If okay. you notice, everybody on the set wears Reeboks. Yes, yeah. It's just weird that, you know, they wouldn't give those to the actual winners or the losers of the show, of the contest. <laughs> give them a watch, too. I mean, come on. I'm sure they got something, too. I mean, well, Reebok and Nabisco, they, they were getting their names out there throughout the whole show. They were the two major sponsors, at least early on. And supposedly, from what I read, they may have had a hand in the show's creation as well. Really? Yeah. So now we go back to Mark and the kids as they get ready for the best segment of the show, the Double Dare Obstacle Course. Yes. This is this is the whole thing. I mean, if you want to fast forward through these questions and everything, get to this. This is the uh, this is the guts of it. This is why you're watching. Yes, this is it. Last three minutes of the show. So in this, the kids have 60 seconds to grab these small red triangular flags from eight messy obstacles. They take turns, so one kid does the first one, then they have to pass the flag to their teammate who can then go on to the second one, and then they switch, and so on and so on. Yes. They, they're waiting at the end of the ops, the first obstacle to grab the flag for the second obstacles, and they have to carry them with them? Is that the case? I don't recall. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm not, I think as long as they pass the flag forward, you know, that's fine. They can drop them on the ground after that, and it's fine. Yeah. I would assume so. I don't think they have to count a flag. You know, they don't count flags at the end. They just, yeah. 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 So Mark gives a rundown of all the obstacles, and there's prizes for each one of the eight that they complete. So we get a rundown of what to do and what you'll win. Yep. So here the obstacles go as follows. Number one is the very famous Sunday slide. This involves climbing up a chocolate sauce covered slide and then riding a messy spiral slide down to a pool of chocolate pudding and whipped cream at the bottom where they stand up and they grab a flag from a pole. I think this is my favorite one of all of them. It's probably the most popular the most famous one yes um of all the different obstacles because you got the really slippery and some kids going up that thing it's really funny to watch because they just can't do it <laughs> and they're slipping and falling and there's bars too they climb up and on the sides yeah there's rail well we'll get to it later but there is a trick to this one as well yeah i always thought i would want to go head first down that slide into the pudding and stuff <laughs> even though it's, it's you know probably it's rank it's been sitting there under studio lights for a while but still i mean that would uh. be awesome Mark even gives him a hint. He tells him, keep your feet up. You don't want the, the rubber of your shoes catching the slide. It'll slow you down. Smart guy. Now, if you notice, there's a stuffed Jeffrey giraffe on the pole as well. And this means that by completing the first obstacle, they each win a $75 gift certificate to Toys R Us. Which is like $400 today, so that's awesome. <laughs> and we next get the oldest looking photo of a Toys R Us I've ever seen. It, it looks like it was taken in the 1880s and then colorized. <laughs> It's hilarious. The first one. I'll have to tweet it out. It's it's pathetic how these early Toys R Us looked. So that brings us to number two. This is the tire swing. Uh, very simple. It, there's a pedestal. One kid stands on it, 
puts their feet in the tire part, grabs the rope, swings across to the other side. Not messy at all. Very, very simple. Yeah. One of the non-messy ones, or non, you know, when I say messy, I mean even like just feathers and garbage going everywhere. Very straightforward. Yeah. Now, if they complete this, they win brightly colored styling products from Con Air, which is not the Nicolas Cage movie, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, in the photos, we see hair curlers, hot combs, hair dryers, but fortunately, there's also telephones. So at least it wasn't just hair care stuff if you're not into that. Yeah, like I'm sure the, what was the, the gentleman who, in the Eagles? His, Chris. The, uh, Chris. I'm sure Chris really appreciated that. <laughs> those, uh, those fo- I had a Con Air phone as a kid. Yeah, I think I did too, yeah. the uh, I had the clear one, which was really cool. I had a colored one, I think. So that brings us to number three, which was the rope climb. And this obstacle, it was like a long net that was almost like a ship's rigging. Yep. And it went up to the top of a wall, and at the top, they had to just lean over and grab the flag. Yes. Again, not very messy. I mean, no. Pr- pretty straightforward. Now, if they did this, they would win a urethane and fiberglass skateboard made by Galaxy. Which is horrible, but okay. <laughs> I guess the the idea was it also had aluminum decks, and it was going to be the lightest skateboard you'll ever ride on. Yeah. I, me being somewhat of a, a skateboard aficionado back in the day, it was garbage. Um, <laughs> pure filth, according to skateboards. Wow. Yep. I'll take your word for it. Okay. Number four was another famous one called the tank. This is just a large tank. Here it was filled with balloons, and it had a flag taped on the side inside about halfway. And so if if they kind of just went halfway and grabbed it, they could pass it along, which Mark told them, you don't have to go all the way across. Their teammate could be leaning into it and to grab the flag, yeah. Yeah, so that was another hint. And th- this tank was filled with quite a number of stuff throughout the years. Yeah. Balloons is pretty, uh, pretty tame. Packing peanuts, there was uh, just murky colored water. That was a disgusting one. It was like, oh, yeah. what, what is this, you know? Like soap, I think, or like bubbles or something, right? Wasn't that one? Yeah, probably. Yeah, all sorts of weird stuff. Now, if they complete this obstacle, they win a Panasonic answering machine. Yay! (laughs) Which is pretty funny because, you know, back back then, you had to have your own dedicated line. As a kid, if you wanted your own phone, your parents had to pay for a separate line, a separate phone bill. You had to get your own phone number. I mean, I never had anything like that. No, yeah, it was it was quite a and the phone company had to come in and run wires, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't cheap either. No, DJ Tanner got it done. It was a big deal that episode. Yeah, that was a great one. <laughs> was Comet in that one by chance? Uh, probably. Yeah, um, and then you had but you had to have your own answering machine, so you don't miss those calls. Devil tape, great. probably it wasn't. A, of course, it wasn't digital. It was just a little stupid tape. Oh yeah, you had to get like the a tapes micro for it. tape. Yeah, and that now brings us to the fifth obstacle which is called spud splat exclamation point and in this one of the kids has to crawl across a long shallow pool of mashed potatoes <laughs> now in the middle of it there's kind of a very low bar that you had to crawl under so they really made sure that you had to crawl low and from this bar in the middle there was a flag hanging so yes. you had to crawl through that man what a pain to make all those mashed potatoes huh <laughs> I mean, this isn't like whipped cream where you can probably get it in industrial size containers. Yeah. You know, this is like, you have to cook mashed potatoes and ugh. It's just probably the instant mix, but still, it's still, a pain in the I butt. Mean, yeah, it's 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 a process. Now, one with the big butter slab on it. I, I know it's not this one, but ugh. Yeah, it's that one. Oh, it is the big butter slab? Yeah. Oh, man. Had the fly on it? Yeah, yeah. 
And then Mark made the joke, yeah, that was Vincent Price saying, help me. And Harvey just loses it again in the background. <laughs> the kids are staying near Stone Face, like, I don't know what the guy's talking about. <laughs> uh, now, for completing this obstacle, the kids win a prize pack of video cassettes from Carl Lorimar Home Video. Now, did you happen to notice what videos they were going to win in their prize pack? It's I mean, hilarious. Yeah, I recall why I can't. Just, yeah, you have to tell me. I can't recall. It, one was Jane Fonda's new workout. Oh, great. Yeah. One was the the workout video called No Sweat, which was Lyle Alzado's workout tape. He was the former football player who ended up dying. He blamed his fatal illness on his rampant anabolic steroid use. <laughs> very, very tragic. I'm sorry, it's his fault. Very tragic tale. Really not the workout model you want to follow. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. We, we also get a learn to ski instructional tape because, oh, you know, great. that's that's how you want to learn how to ski. On the slopes. Yeah, you have the VCR handy. They also get Care Bears Collection 1, oh, which man. wrong Care team Bears for that. Win. Yeah. And concert tapes for every kid's favorite, Rod Stewart and Sting. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Could they have picked crappier video cassettes? I mean, honestly. I mean, you could find most of those at the local Goodwill for, you know, 10 cents a piece. Wow. It was hilarious. Jane Fonda's workout. Who, what kid would ever use that? Nobody. You could tell that the moms and dads were like, all right. Jane Fonda, great. Crawl through those mashed potatoes. <laughs> Give them blank video cassettes. They're more useful than those. <laughs> so this brings us to a very infamous obstacle, number six. This is called Nightmare, which we'll talk a little more about this later. But basically, what they have to do is find a flag mixed in with feathers inside of a giant pillow. Hence the nightmare. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like I said, we'll talk a little more about how it actually was a nightmare for one team uh, in a little bit. But if they find it, they actually get a good prize here. This was a Ricoh point-and-shoot 35mm camera. Yeah, that's the best one so far. Do you think the prizes would be, like, that and the $75 gift certificate to Toys R Us would be near the end? And all the crappy stuff would be at the beginning. Yeah. They kind of mix it up. It's interesting. Maybe they just figured at the very least, these kids will get the Sunday slide. At least yeah. they'll have something. I don't know. Number seven was the wall climb. This was basically just scaling an eight-foot wall with the use of a knotted rope. And for this, they actually win a sharp VCR. That was pretty big. Wow, yeah. That's sharp, too. That's pretty yeah. good. And that brings us to the final obstacle. This is the one-ton human hamster wheel. This is another famous one. Yeah. And usually, I remember seeing this one more in the beginning for some reason. I guess it, I don't know. They mix up the locations of these, but this is always a funny one because the kid doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And Mark's like screaming at him, No, no, you gotta keep going, you gotta keep going. <laughs> Stupid arm's not going down yet. It's pretty self-explanatory, but a kid runs inside of a giant wheel, and next to it are a series of numbers. They light up, and they go higher and higher, and when it reaches number six at the top, there's an arm holding, like, a glove with the final flag, and it lowers for the other kid to grab. Yeah. So if the other kid grabs it, uh, they win the grand prize, which is a Disney vacation at Walt Disney World's Buena Vista Palace. Which I don't think it no longer exists, but okay. Uh, it does. I looked it up. Really? Yeah, it's still that. around. Wow. Yeah. The best prize, I mean, that's a good prize too, don't get me wrong. The best prize was the Space Camp prize. The yes. grand prize. Yeah, they used to give away space camp prizes. I, I forgot about that, yeah. Which I was so freaking jealous every time a kid <laughs> won a space space camp prize. Because I wanted to go to space camp so bad as a kid and never did. 
I could now, go as an adult, I guess, but that's kind of pathetic. And what do they ever do in space camp? Like, just flight simulators? That thing where they strap you in and spin you around? Or Well, according to the movie Space Camp, the robot fills up the tanks of the uh, booster rockets and they go into space. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> so not bad. In total, they, they say that it's a prize package valued at almost $3,000. Which is $9,000 in 2016 money. Wow. Somewhere around there. Sure. We'll take your word for it. But okay. yeah, that, I mean, that's 3000 is a lot. So now, after hearing every game and prize in detail, because basically these were just commercials, you know, it was yeah. a long time. Yeah. yeah, we finally get to the obstacle course. There's now 60 seconds on the clock, and these kids, they blaze right through it. This was great. Yeah. Extremely fast. Especially Chris, that first, that Sunday slide, scales it quite easily. Yeah, they, these kids did not slow down. They, they even slipped a couple of times, but they, they still won with two seconds left. You know, the funniest part of this is watching Mark, you know, get these kids going. Because he's not, as we talked about, he doesn't sit in the background. He is, like, coaching these kids on and telling them, you know, you know, no, you can't touch that yet. You have to wait for him to hand you the flag and this and that. And Yeah. He is right on top of those kids. There is a very funny YouTube video. I forget what it's called. All you have to search is Double Dare. I think it's one of the first hits. It's, like, three minutes. And basically, it's one episode of Double Dare. It's just the uh, obstacle course. It's like three minutes long. And in this one episode, I think it was an early episode because there was a lot more stagehands around than I remember seeing in the later episodes, like helping the kids out and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mark was just pulling those kids by their arms (laughs) along the course. And there was one where the kid, it was the one with the tank. I forgot what the tank was filled up, but I think like, shipping peanuts or something. Mm-hmm. He was pulling the kid out of the tank by his arm. Next, the, you know, his teammate was going <laughs> to the next obstacle and the kid fell right in his face. Oh I mean, man. Out of the tank onto his face. And they just kept going. They didn't care. I mean, they were just getting through that. It was, it's amazing. I would be, you know, I'd have a, a stroke if I was a kid in that course. They'd yell that by Mark Summers, like, you know, go faster and don't touch the flag and keep digging, keep digging, go over there. And he's, guy on in the entire thing it's really he's getting his money's worth in that yeah wow it's amazing you well you had to move so fast i mean we, we watched these kids they ended up winning with two seconds left and even though they were extremely fast and slipped a couple times it really shows you how hard it was to win this yeah like you had to be as fast or faster than these kids to win this thing what was the girl's name in the eagles i forget nicole. chris chris and nicole yeah they did get married after the show oh really yep mm-hmm they have Them three too. kids, so if it's Scottsdale, and Chris is an orthodontist. Did he get her a clock for their first anniversary? They did, yes. She got her, he remembered, and he got her a clock. <laughs> she was thrilled. Um, and they, well, congratulations to the Eagle family. They, <laughs> the Eagle family. <laughs> they legally changed her name to Eagle after the fact. They were so excited. Well, as a tribute to their greatest yeah. accomplishment, That's other than right. their kids, I would assume. Well, yeah. Still look back at the double dare as... <laughs> running track together and young love it's amazing wow so uh, mark now says goodbye this ends the show harvey signs off but not before giving one more promo for reebok the official shoe of double dare because life is not a spectator sport or until we get a better deal from bk shoes i wear my bks how much they go for on ebay (laughs) look it up british knights i will okay they still make british knight shoes I don't have the ones from the 80s, but they're going, I mean, they go for quite a bit. I see some pairs here for uh, 60 bucks, the new ones. Okay. 60, 100 bucks, vintage ones, rare vintage, 
British Knight L9100 basketball shoe, ten dollars, nine ninety nine. Really? Yep. Wow. So you can find British Knight shoes online and eBay. Feel free. Give eBay some business. They're really struggling. So. <laughs> now we should mention about Mark Summers too. Is uh, some news that had come out about him that he had been suffering all these years with obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah, that was really something when that, that news came out, especially in a show he hosted where he had to be uh, around people constantly and be interactive with people constantly. How he didn't go insane was beyond me. You know, it's a show based around disarray and mayhem and messes. And yeah, it's just uh, amazing that he was able to, you know, host and get, you know, get in the middle of the fray all that time. Yeah, it's it's really a tribute to him and his how he was able to to get through that. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, in, in 2012, he had a serious car accident. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that. in a cab. In a cab, and um, in Philadelphia, I guess with the partitions, I guess he, he slammed his head into the partition of the cab and had serious facial injuries. His quote: "I'm pretty lucky I don't have brain damage." <laughs> so, wow, that's that's not good, but. One of the things about Mark Summers, too, which, you know, it's one of those things where you do a double take when watching a show. One of my favorite shows, reality shows, is Restaurant Impossible. Oh, yeah. And he's the executive producer on that. Yeah, he even hosted Unwrapped on the Food Network for quite a while. Yep. Executive. So, you, like, watching Restaurant Impossible and you see Mark Summers come up on the screen, it's like, what? Yeah. But, yep. So, he's doing, still working, still doing things behind the scenes. Even recently, I think in 2015, posted a special edition of Double Dare. Oh, that was a live event thing, I think. Yeah, it was like a yeah, live event type thing. Yeah, That's cool, though. Now, as Sean and I mentioned earlier, also for this podcast, we watched the special called Double Dare Inside Scoop. And this is one of Nickelodeon's attempts to capitalize on the VHS boom. And they released a lot of direct-to-video specials. And this came out in 1988. It featured some memorable clips and behind-the-scenes looks at production. Uh, we we kind of refer to it as the documentary. It, yes. You know, we say that in the loosest definition of the term, but it, it really is our best look at some behind-the-scenes stuff. And there are some interesting facts here and there that we glean from it. Yeah, it was definitely interesting. I mean, I think the best thing that cracked me up was the fact that it was in five parts on YouTube. Like, you know, eight-minute parts, nine-minute parts. So you're looking about, you know, a, almost an hour show. Um, yeah. Hour presentation. And just the fact that it was transferred from VHS was really funny. I'll go into that in a few minutes. Because it was, you had the lines and the, you know, the distortion. The v- you could tell it was a very old tape it was taken from. Yeah, but I, I really enjoyed it. starts off talking about, you know, Mark Summers, his, even his interview or his uh, audition process to become the, mm-hmm. the host of the show. And it was pretty funny. Him just basically answering random questions and how he would respond to different things from the audience and going through. Or not the audience, but the contestants and his his cadence and his his you know delivery basically, and the fact that they did a like a propped up show, I guess you could say it wasn't a pilot, but it was just a um, a trial like, run. Yeah, like a pre air test. Yeah, it was just you know two folding tables with the contestants. The kids were like in normal street clothes. <laughs> you know, they had whiteboard, not even whiteboards, like pieces of paper hanging up to write the points on. They simulated some of the physical challenges on the stage, which was pretty funny. And even did like a, a mock-up of the obstacle course and did that. Yeah. 
I think the executive producer of the show actually hosted that because they didn't have Mark Summers, you know, tied in yet. Yeah, he wasn't hired yet. This guy was Jeffrey Darby. He was the stand-in. Yeah. He was uh, formerly a writer on You Can't Do That on Television, and then he became one of the creators and executive producers of Double Dare, and I looked it up to see where he is now. He's now an executive at the Weather Channel. That sounds like the most boring job ever, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) He was he was pretty funny in this, and the kids looked like they were gonna fall asleep during half of it. Um, <laughs> the contestants, but yeah, it was interesting that I I guess you know I never thought that they would have to do that to see how much you know how well it would go. Mm. Did you catch what the kids named their teams in this early version of the show? Um, I'm looking at it right now. I don't see it anywhere. Did they say what they named the teams? Yeah, which was funny that they actually had that in the very first incarnation of the game, is that kids were going to name themselves. Yeah, they were Mrs. Mister and the Powers. (laughs) I remember that, Mrs. Mister. (laughs) I think it's supposed to be, I was like, Mr. Mister, it's an 80s band. No, it's a play on it. Mrs. Mister. Mrs. Mister and the Powers. The Powers. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, the, the same idea. There was a toss-up question to start, not, not a challenge. Uh, did you catch any of these questions, Sean? I'll ask you these if you want. Yeah, go ahead. I, I did. Ca- I don't remember them, but I did catch, watch them. <laughs> you better get this one. 70% of the Earth's surface is covered by water. Oh, yeah. What I, is the name of the largest ocean on the Earth? I, I remember this one because the girl answered it, and she said, she said the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you're a moron. Specific Ocean. <laughs> I actually called the little girl a moron on the, when I was listening to this. Nice. Yeah, there was one about what is the uh, cat that Alice meets in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, they said the wrong name, or they said it the wrong way. They call it the, it's the Cheshire Cat. Yeah. And they said it like a weird name way. Oh, like, like Cheshire? The, Cheshire. And, they, and, and like the kid said it that way, and the host is like, that's right, the Cheshire Cat. I've heard it said both. Yeah, yeah I guess Cheshire. it doesn't matter. Cheshire. Then there was the other one, plus or minus 10,000. How many TV commercials does the average American kid watch every year? I don't think the kid understood the question. <laughs> yeah. He said, he said like 35,000. Yeah, they said th- answered it. They said 30, and the answer was 25. So they, you know, 30,000, the answer was 25,000. So they did they did get it. You know, my, my impression of the answer to that question would be, you know, plus 10,000. It's above 10,000. Wouldn't you think that? That's what I was thinking when they said it. Well, he said plus or minus, so I figured, like, in a range of 10,000. Oh, okay. But it, it was just a weird way of asking yeah. kids a question, anyway. I, my, my first thought was, like, is it more or less than 10,000? Plus or minus 10,000? Like, 10,000 was the the point that they were going from. And yeah. he, the answer was either it was more than 10,000 or less than 10,000. That's the impression I got. They should have just rounded it to the nearest 10,000 yeah. and just had the kids guess. But it was whatever. a dumb question, yes. It was. Yeah, and then we get that challenge. It was just a, a metal bucket full of green slime, which they probably still had. That was disgusting. You Can't Do That on Television was still around, I think, I think they overlapped with Double Dare for what, four four years maybe? Yeah, three, three four, or years. four years. So they probably said, hey, bring out a bucket of that green slime. The poor girl's hair is going in it, and she's pulling, you see what she's pulling out? What, what no, was it she pulled out? It was like. I couldn't tell. It looks like she pulled out like a, a hairball or something. It was horrible. <laughs> It was the flag, I guess, but it's disgusting. Oh, okay. Oh, it's so gross. It looked like it looked like sewage. <laughs> that poor girl. There was also other challenges. There was a, a knotted rope that the kids had to swing on to grab a flag. There was a shallow pool of just corn syrup. He just calls yeah, it corn it's syrup. Like, oh, it looked like diarrhea. <laughs> there was a a plywood tank full of styrofoam packing peanuts. I imagine get quite a, a lot of splinters in that thing. Yeah. 
but you know, it was very unrefined, very cheap, but it was just to test how it would play, and evidently it went well enough to proceed. Yep, and they showed and the actual production show of how the obstacle course went. And so now we get our next segment where we get a look at Mark Summers' audition tape, as you mentioned. And, and what I should mention, too, is for every one of these segments, you know, we have a little bit of Mark Summers talking to us in between. Yeah. And what's funny is if you watch this, he keeps referring to this special as inside slop, not inside scoop. Yeah, which makes more sense, inside slop. I guess, although they, see, they must have had him say it one way and at the last minute went, inside slop, why don't we just call it inside scoop? Yeah. Like, that makes no sense. So they probably changed it on the packaging and then made Mark look like an idiot that can't read a, you know, a cue card throughout the rest of the special. It's pretty funny. Or maybe you couldn't read a cue card, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> No, Mark, you got to do that again. It's Inside Scoop, not Slop. Inside yeah. Slop. It's uh, Was that a play on? It's a play on Inside Scoop, I guess. Yeah. Just call it that. So Mark Summers' audition tape was pretty funny. They had him stand in a gray room, and he was reading copy. He was faking physical challenges with adults standing in for kids. The hula hoop one. Has she ever been to Hawaii? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he was very charismatic. You could see why they picked him for the job. He was very good. A lot of comments that he made off the cuff. Uh, you know, he worked well during these challenges, making little jokes. So, yeah, it was good. And so he, there's also a scene where he's reading the very complicated rules of Double Dare. Yeah. First at his audition, then we see him say it in his very first episode. Then they cut to how he currently reads the rules. Uh, he's a little better at it, but you can tell he's gotten used to just saying it over and over again. But they mention that he still needs cue cards. He he never fully memorized the rules. Yeah, and it's 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 quite a tongue twister to say every single time like that. So I don't, you know, must be nerve wracking, <laughs> but they did have fun with it over the years. We, we get a, a montage of different things. They did one time. They had Dave and Robin, the stagehands read the rules for him. Uh, then he brought out eight crew members to read the rules as the double dare rules choir. I could have done without that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird stuff. And then, then there was one where he, he got it right and said, all right, that's it. I don't need cue cards anymore. And he ran off the stage, grabbed the cue cards and just tore, tore them up in front of pieces. the audience. Yeah. Uh, we also got another segment with the physical challenge test lab, which was this stage segment where they were showing how they were testing future physical challenges right there off, off the side of the stage. Put the kids in the back there too. Yep. Hitting the yeah. with eggs and yeah. yeah. All, and the guy kept spraying kids in the face with a seltzer <laughs> bottle. It was very mean. <laughs> Watching that right now. <laughs> he was like, he was like, all right. And uh, stay still right here. Now look up. And then, okay. And he like sprays a kid in the face and moves on to the next kid. Like, oh man. Things that want to go over too well these days. Uh, so one thing they do highlight in this special is some of the different challenges that were harder or easy. Uh, one challenge was having a team of two trying to unlock two padlocks on a door within 30 seconds. Yeah, and it seems like it would be pretty easy to do, but I guess they only had like two keys a piece, so I mean... I don't think they had two keys. I think they had a ring, like each kid had a ring full of keys, and they okay. didn't know if, you know, their key was going to work for the top one or the bottom one. So no one was ever really able to unlock this thing. Yeah, it was a failure of a physical challenge. And then the other one that they showed was a, a near impossible challenge. They had 30 seconds to throw paper airplanes across the stage and into an open mailbox. Now, they had a basket of pre-made airplanes, which were really terrible if you saw them. Like, the wings were very, very small. Yeah, yeah, they weren't well done. Yeah, I don't know who made them, but they were just awful. One kid... In one episode, barely got one to land on the open mailbox door, which I guess technically they said it counted. Yeah. 
Mark said that he didn't think it was going to be a, a successful challenge, but they had a bunch of, again, successful runs of it, so. Yeah, he, he was downing it the whole time, but two landed on the door. But they cut to it being played a third time, and if you notice, this time the mailbox door was completely open, pointing down, and this time the kids were not successful. Yeah. You know, they should have learned their lesson with a lot of these. It's like, you know, sure, bring them out once, but if the kids are really having a, a hard time, like, you can tell, oh, wait a minute, this doesn't play out well, you know, switch it with something else. Yeah, exactly. They also show uh, Dave and Robin, the stagehands, getting involved in some messy challenges. Sometimes Mark would have them test it out, and it would involve Robin, you know, getting an egg cracked on her head or something. So I'm sure she'd appreciate <laughs> And the, there was another one where... Mark and, and Harvey performed this challenge where they drown the ducks. That was basically that one we saw the Care Bears do in that yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. And they showed how to win this challenge. And what they do is you just lean in, and with your arms, you gather them all together, and with your just your arms, you push them under. You know, one person on one side, one person on the other. Just gather them in with your arms and push them all under, and it was very easy. Yeah. Uh, There's also Clown Shoe Golf. And that's where they wore this very large clown shoe with a hole in the front. And one kid putts and the other has to catch it in the front of their shoe. It's going to roll across the stage. And what they show here is that all you have to do is lift your heel, keeps the front of the shoe flush with the ground, and it goes right in. Yep. Uh, One of the, the features of this special was that kids could buy it, bring it home, and watch how to win these challenges for what... That's the thing. For when they're on. I was thinking about the entire time was um was like, what how does information ever benefit me? I'm never gonna be on <laughs> double dare ever. <laughs> Chances of that happening are very slim to none. And it's like, oh, okay, wait, I, that's wonderful, that's how you do it, but I, you know, don't care. But next they uh they highlight another challenge called Harvey's Wild Oats. This one was actually pretty interesting, this story. Yeah, well, they have a flashback of, uh, you know, a very graphic Doctor Who-ish type flashback. Um, <laughs> they talk about Harvey's wild oats. And this one teen that was able to, they came up with this method to do it. And basically, it was like, I, I don't even understand really what it was. It was stacking these containers of oats. Is that- yeah, they basically had like the Quaker Oats cans, which they put Harvey on the front instead of the Quaker Oats guy. Yeah. They had three oatmeal cans. One person stacks three on their hand, and they have to successfully pass it one-handed to their teammate, who then has to walk it back all the way across the stage. Yes. So you could see if I had one hand out with a stack of cans, and you had one open hand out, it would be hard for me to get the stack over to your hand. We would drop the cans, and we would probably lose. Oh, guaranteed, yes. And so the uh, producers did not anticipate this kind of cheat that these girls came up with there was a a team of two girls from austin texas and basically one girl brought the stack of cans over to her teammate the next girl simply placed her hand on the top of the stack then the two working together one hand on each side they rotated the stack 180 degrees yeah that was quite clever yeah and the first girl just removed her hand from the top and then her teammate just walked it over for the win never thought they figured it out but there you go very very clever yeah yeah, there's some other, you know, stupid filler in this uh, Harvey's various costumes. Harvey Dave and Tarzan, yeah. Yeah, Dave and Robin's highlights. And then evidently, I guess Robin usually didn't speak much. Like, that was one notable thing about her. Because they, they brought out a fake book called, Hey, Robin Finally Speaks. Yeah. That was supposed to, like, make fun of the fact that she didn't talk. I'm sure she appreciated that. <laughs> 
So now we get to the uh, the flashback to Nightmare. Yeah, I think it's the highlight. The... This is one of the highlights of the episode of the show. Yeah, this was a, a big you know a big thing. Whenever you read like the history of the show, this first playing of Nightmare uh, is is mentioned. Yeah, so this is the first ever thing in the obstacle course they ever did in Nightmare. And again, it's a big pillow with a bunch of feathers, and they had to dig through it to find the flag. And you know, basically, Mark Summers is talking about how that first time. These poor kids, you know, you can see them counting down. They're digging through, and Mark's like, you got to go through. It's in the bag. It's or he's digging through. It's in there somewhere. It's definitely in there. It's definitely in there. And it's not in there. And they they cut. And the funniest thing about this, I, I had to do a double take when I was listening to it. And I, I actually rewinded it. They, Mark's like, oh, okay, cut, you know. Let's do it. Let's have a cut. And you hear, you see the placard come up? Yeah. And you hear, like, a double beep, like a beep, beep. I thought for sure that Mark Summers was swearing off off camera because <laughs> he said it right after he said that it did that beep beep. I'm like, oh wait, he has sweared in front of the kids. <laughs> like, oh, I'm so sick of this. It just it was really funny the way it worked out because you, you're used to that. So the second time they said, you know, they got to restart it for the kids and do it again because it wasn't fair, and they do the same thing again and basically the same result where they cannot find this flag. And as I guess he said that. The producers thought that he put it in, and he thought the producers put it in. <laughs> so they did it a third time. And again, you, after this one, and he cuts again, you get a beep, beep, beep. I'm like, oh, he's swearing again. <laughs> he's, like, really upset. The third time was funny because they actually did have the flag in there, but this time the cameraman was in the way, yeah, and they tripped into over. the cameraman. Okay, so the third time they get it right. They start going up to the Sunday slide, I believe it was, after the third time. And the cameraman falls over. <laughs> you could tell the camera angles were kind of weird at the first episodes because they didn't know what they were doing, really. Yeah. You get more of the, the stage lights above and everything. and uh, But then the fourth time, they actually got it done. Poor kids. I feel bad for the kids. They're oh, like, I know. Oh. At least Nightmare wasn't like the fifth or sixth thing. And they're all disgusting and messy and they had to do it. All right. Yeah, it was the first you know. one. But it was funny because the fourth take... The girl picks up the flag from the very top of the pillow. Yeah, they probably like, know, let's get done the, with this. You know? Yeah, they were like, just put it on top. Yeah. It was hilarious. Yeah, so that's the challenge that we saw in the episode that we watched for the podcast. And that, yeah, this was the very first time it was played. And, and it was funny that they were like, oh, Mark, did you put it in? It's like, he's the host. Yeah, what the, what was, what's he supposed to be? You know? <laughs> and they show you, and then uh, Harvey and Mark, they show you how to do the, uh, the Sunday slide. Yeah, this was interesting. They they actually did give some helpful tips, I guess, if you were a kid aspiring to be on this show someday. Go up the side of it and not go directly up the disgusting, slippery fudge. Yeah, there's railings on the side of the slide, and as long as you don't put your feet in the chocolate sauce, you just keep it under the railings, you can scale the thing quite easily, which is what that kid did in the episode we watched. Chris just went right to the top. Yep, you got it. You learned. And they, they show a montage of other kids that figured this out, too. They also demonstrate how to beat the human hamster wheel. Yeah, and believe it or not, it's not by stopping. Well, it was so stupid because Mark was like, the biggest mistake people make is running in place. It's like, I've never seen anybody run in place on that. Like, even the dumbest kid knows <laughs> just to run like a hamster. And put your hands down on it and really push it because you have to get it going, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen anybody run in place, but whatever. You could tell it, it takes a quite a bit of of effort to really get that thing going. It's not just an easy, yeah. You don't go too fast because then you want to get out. You don't want to trip and wait for it to stop, you know? Yeah. And then the next obstacle they show is called the Ringer. I always like this one. 
giant yeah. rolls, foam rolls, and the person gets cranked through it down like this slide of goo. And their advice was not to crank it the wrong way, which makes sense. Yeah, well, duh. <laughs> crank it backwards, and the person's just going to go right out, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we, basically, there's a lot of montages of hijinks. There's a couple of times when he brings out Nurse Joan. Yeah, you see that? the on, onset nurse. Yeah. Who, basically, she was, like, the medical attendant on the show. Because you got to imagine, you know, they probably anticipated kids were going to sprain their ankles or something. Get concussions or, you know, yeah. And, and I guess they wanted to, like, make her a part of the on-the-show crew. But she doesn't seem to be, like, that into it. There's, like, a giant pimple on one of the nose. <laughs> like, the giant nose. And Harvey's and trying like, to lance it with a... Uh... <laughs> yeah, like, should we do this? She was like, no, you should not do that. You should just keep it clean and leave it alone. You're like, all right, Nurse Joan, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) She has a stethoscope on, which is really funny. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, quick, put this on. So, yeah, and we also get Mark's uh, impression montage. Evidently, Mark did a lot of impressions on the show. Some of them are just embarrassing. I love how they put on this special in subtitles below, like, who he was doing impressions of. I guess they were that bad that people wouldn't know. The tattoo one was extremely offensive to me. I don't know what it was. His name is Hervé Velishes. Well, not only that, but his name, he has a name. His name is not Tattoo. (laughs) Hervé (laughs) Velishes. Terrible. Yeah, very, very insensitive. But, you know, what are you going to do? He also did one of Hollywood Square's announcer Shadow Stevens. (laughs) Catherine Hepburn dressed as uh, Henry Fonda. I was like, what? Yeah. No one's ever going to know. Ethel Merman. I'm like, kids are never going to know this. Ugh. He, he did a lot of, like, he even did this, like, very big Elvis, very big dramatic Elvis impression where he oh, wore the yeah. cape. They had the spotlight. The kids were, like, screaming every time he did the lip curl. It was very strange. Probably throwing Reebok stuff at him again, the scream. <laughs> okay, it was, you know, come on, kids. Then there was an interesting blooper reel at the end where, I guess they could call it bloopers, but they had this toy of this motorized rower. That cracked me up, yeah. Mark found this thing so funny. Basically, it was this motorized man in a canoe, and they put him in all, like, the little water obstacles. So there was one of it in the tank swimming around, and Mark was trying to drown him, really, like, making fun of drowning. <laughs> he was and, sinking, he was cracking up. <laughs> oh, he was, like, losing it. They they couldn't film it. You know, I don't know if it made it into the show. I don't know. What, was that like, supposed to be ice cream or something in that thing? He... he it was disgusting, whatever it was. I don't know. And the kids wash wouldn't work. When Robin was supposed to go through the kid wash. Yeah, and then the rowing man shows up in the slime canal, and every time they kept putting it in these obstacles, Mark would just completely crack up. Yep. He was. He couldn't. He couldn't talk. He was. He was crying. He was in tears. He was laughing so hard at seeing this little motorized man trying to canoe <laughs> through slime. And he was on like the. Uh, was like one of the. It was like a slice of. I don't know if it was an ice cream sundae thing or something. They put him on a slice of something. Oh, they put him on the pizza. Oh, the pizza. It was pizza. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to and, be. And just the idea of this man trying to row on a slice of pizza, that made Mark lose it even more. Like, he just is gone at that point. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, they, they kept putting this thing everywhere. Anywhere they would, would put this guy, I mean, Mark would just be surprised every time and have the same reaction. That's the little man. Yeah. Ugh. And so the special ends with Mark and Harvey trying to complete the obstacle course themselves, which was kind of funny. But 99 they, seconds, yeah. They... Yeah, they get 99 seconds on the clock, of course. But they made it through pretty quick. 
And I love because this is, you know, from the 80s. It does have to end in an 80s way. But them jumping into the uh, tank. Yes. And they're halfway in the air when they're jumping into it. As the tracking on the VCR tape is is uh, slowly going. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's having issues. But I love they're, they're, the two of them side by side are about to jump into the messy tank. And we get the freeze frame. And then the closing credits superimposed on top. You know, just like perfect 80s ending. Yep. The funniest thing about this, well, one of the funniest things about this to me, I don't know if you watched the entire, all the parts of this thing. There was actually a part six. The person who, who transferred this from VCR to the digital, it was a minute 28 or minute 20 video of what happens at the end of the VCR tape. Oh, really? It was just like a bla- after the credits, it was a black screen. And it even put in the description, like, this is what happened back in the day with a VCR tape. It was the end of this tape. And it was just after a few minutes, it goes starts going, beep. <laughs> I, just had, I just had to watch it. It was so so depressing. Ugh. And that's how you would know if the tape was over. It would start beeping at you. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, and that does it for our look back at one of the best kids shows the '80s had to offer, Double Dare. Yeah, this is a, definitely a classic. And unfortunately, I wish I could say you could find it anywhere to watch it. But and, and it's funny because I was thinking about that. I mentioned before that Viacom stripped this episode off of uh, YouTube. But all the episodes, if you can't do that on television, are still on YouTube. You can find anyone you want, basically. And mm. there's nothing with Double Dare. So I, I don't know why they were so resistant. It's around the same time frame. Uh, I don't know. But I don't know. Maybe once in a while when it comes on, Nick, you know, if they are having a, a light period where they want to put some old oldies on, you'll catch it. Definitely a very cool show for kids back in the day. Yeah. It surfaces once in a while. Sometimes they do some nostalgic blocks on Teen Nick, or, I, or I don't, I'm not even sure, Nickelodeon 2, whatever they're calling that channel now. It kind of changes. They they recently had a resurgence of 90s nostalgia, so they did show Clarissa Explains It All oh, and yes. all that. Rocco's Modern Life. So, you know, this is bound to resurface once again in some form. And, you know, it's still pretty strong internationally. There, there are reruns that, that air. And like I said, some countries even have their own versions. So, yeah, the, the Double Dare legacy does live on still, which is nice. And there are, as we mentioned, there are some videotape compilations. I don't think they're on DVD, but I think you could probably find Double Dare, you know, two tape pack or something or a few episodes or various highlights if you're very interested in it. But a little flash from the past. Yeah. If you're a, a VHS collector, I'm sure that's something. You can collect your sharp VCR, you know, that you won from Double Dare. And... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's something you could probably find pretty cheap, I'm sure, if you wanted to ch- buy it and just check it out. Do you remember, too, Scott, there was a, actually a Nintendo game, like a Double Dare Nintendo game? Do you remember, recall that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty, actually pretty fun. Um, there's a computer game I know, too, because I used to have the computer game, like a PC game. Mm-hmm. Where, they, you know, the questions were there. You actually, the obstacle course part was horrible, but... <laughs> the physical challenges are kind of cool. I mean, you use the keyboard cursors to go back and forth and up and down, and it was interesting. It's been pretty fun looking back on Nickelodeon in the 80s. We'll, we'll have to move forward and look at some of Nickelodeon's offerings from the 90s. Yes. All right, well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, how many marshmallows you can catch in your mouth, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or talk to us on Twitter at hittingplay. Sean, you have anything you want to plug? Uh, just my son's YouTube channel. It's called Ender Coder. He does uh, different game reviews, and right now he's actually doing some reviews of talking about going blast from the past, doing some early Nintendo game reviews and playthroughs oh, cool. of like Super Mario Brothers, Legend of Zelda. Um, that's what it's called, Blast from the Past. 
So check that out. Again, his name is Ender Coder. And we also have a YouTube site called Three Blind Mice, which we post some stuff on occasionally. And coming soon, coming soon, Scott, we have a, a Reddit subreddit, which will be coming soon. I don't know the name of it yet, but stay tuned for that to discuss the Ooh. show, hitting play, and uh, have some fan interaction possibly through Reddit. Cool. I am on Twitter. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I am also on Vine. There I do flip page cartoons and humorous animations. And there, my name is also MC and Friends. If you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out, and if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. For Android users, we are also available to stream and or download on Stitcher. We can be found on TuneIn Radio and the Google Play Music app, so check us out on those platforms. If you have a Roku device, you can download the TuneIn Radio channel. You can set Hitting Play as a favorite, and you can stream us right there on your television as well. Well, we have been Sean and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. We had a great time here. Terrific game. Join us every day here on Double Dare. Thanks for being with us. Bye-bye. <laughs>